Blog Talk Radio. From Washington, D.C., this is Caroline. Each week, we bring you the best conversations, news, interviews, and politics here on Caroline. To hear the show live, check us out each Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern or listen on the go by downloading this podcast from iTunes. Hey, welcome to Caroline. Today is Wednesday, October 22nd, 2008. And boy, oh boy, a lot has happened in the news. The topic tonight, though, we're going to try to hit some of the things that have happened in the last two weeks. Um, but the main topic tonight is what went wrong with McCain's campaign? We're also going to talk about um, does Colin Powell's endorsement matter? Who are the Republicans referring to as anti-American, and who are those people that are pro-American? Is ACON controversy a preemptive strike? And what is going to happen with the Republican Party if they lose in November? All right, all right. There's a, there's a whole lot, and a whole lot that I need. I need to to touch on these particular subjects. I have some uh, audio clips and everything tonight, so here we go. First up, let's let's start actually with the um, does Colin Powell's endorsement matter? Colin Powell this past Sunday was on Meet the Press, and uh, it wasn't really a surprise to me. As soon as I heard that he was going to actually uh, be a guest on Meet the Press, I knew that he was going to make this endorsement. Keep in mind, Colin Powell doesn't do a lot of um, interviews. We have barely seen Colin Powell since he left the Bush administration four years ago. So, of course, Colin came out of his closet to be on Meet the Press, and it was anticipated that he would make this statement. And here's the clip. General Powell, after you gave a campaign contribution to Senator McCain, you have met twice at least with Barack Obama. Are you prepared to make a public declaration of which of these two candidates that you're prepared to support? Uh, yes, but let me lead it with this way. I know both of these individuals very well now. I've known John for 25 years, as your uh, setup said, and I've gotten to know Mr. Obama quite well over the past two years. Both of them are distinguished Americans who are patriotic, who are dedicated to the welfare of our country. Either one of them, I think, would be a good president. I have said to Mr. McCain that um, I admire all he has done. I have some concerns about the direction that the party has taken in recent years. It has moved more to the right than I would like to see it, but that's a choice the party makes. And I've said to Mr. Obama, you have to pass a test of do you have enough experience and do you bring the judgment to the table that would give us confidence that you would be a good president. And I've watched them over the past two years, frankly, and I've had this conversation with them. I have especially watched over the last six or seven weeks as both of them have really taken a final exam with respect to this economic crisis that we are in and coming out of the conventions. And I must say that uh, I've gotten a good measure of both. In the case of Mr. McCain, I found that he was a little unsure as to how to deal with the economic problems that we were having. And almost every day there was a different approach to the problem, and that concerned me. It's got the sensing that he didn't have a complete grasp of the economic problems that we had. And I was also concerned at the selection of Governor Palin. She's a very distinguished woman, and she's to be admired. At the same time, now that we have uh, had a chance to watch her for some seven weeks, I don't believe she's ready to be President of the United States, which is the job of the Vice President. And so uh, that raised some question in my mind as to the judgment that Senator McCain made. On the Obama side, I watched Mr. Obama, and 
I watched him during this seven-week period, and he displayed a steadiness, an intellectual curiosity, a depth of knowledge, and an approach to looking at problems like this and picking a vice president that I think is ready to be president on day one. And also in not just jumping in and changing every day, but showing intellectual vigor. I think that he has a, a definitive way of doing business that would serve us well. I also believe that on the Republican side, over the last seven weeks, the approach of the Republican Party and Mr. McCain has become narrower and narrower. Uh, Mr. Obama, at the same time, has given us a more inclusive, broader reach into the needs and aspirations of our people. He's crossing lines, ethnic lines, racial lines, generational lines. He's thinking about all villages have values, all towns have values, not just small towns have values. And I've also been uh, disappointed, frankly, by some of the approaches that Senator McCain has taken recently, or his campaign has, on issues that are not really central to the problems that the American people are worried about. This Bill Ayers situation that's been going on for weeks became something of a central point of the campaign. But Mr. McCain says that he's a washed-out terrorist, but why do we keep talking about it? And why do we have these robocalls going on around the country trying to suggest that because of this very, very limited relationship that Senator Obama has had with Mr. Ayers, somehow Mr. Obama is tainted. What they're trying to connect him to is some kind of terrorist feelings, and I think that's inappropriate. Now, I understand what politics is all about. I know how you can go after one another, and that's good, but I think this goes too far, and I think it has made the McCain campaign look a little narrow. It's not what the American people are looking for, and I look at these kinds of approaches to the campaign, and they trouble me. And the party has moved even further to the right, and Governor Palin has indicated a further rightward shift. I would have difficulty with two more conservative appointments to the Supreme Court, but that's what we'd be looking at in a McCain administration. I'm also troubled by not what Senator McCain says, but what members of the party say. And it is permitted to be said such things as, well, you know that Mr. Obama is a Muslim. Well, the correct answer is he's not a Muslim. He's a Christian. He's always been a Christian. But the really right answer is, what if he is? Is there something wrong with being a Muslim in this country? The answer is no, that's not America. Is there something wrong with some 70-year-old Muslim American kid believing that he or she could be president? Yet I have heard senior members of my own party drop the suggestion he's a Muslim and he might be associated with terrorists. This is not the way we should be doing it in America. I feel strongly about this particular point because of a picture I saw in a magazine. It was a photo essay about troops who were serving in Iraq and Afghanistan. And one picture at the tail end of this photo essay was of a mother at Arlington Cemetery. And she had her head on the headstone of her son's grave. And as the picture focused in, you could see the writing on the headstone. And it gave his awards, Purple Heart, Bronze Star, showed that he died in Iraq, gave his date of birth, his date of death, he was 20 years old. And then at the very top of the headstone, it didn't have a Christian cross, it didn't have a star of David, it had a crescent and a star of the Islamic faith. And his name was Kareem Rashad Sultan Khan. And he was an American. He was born in New Jersey. He was 14 years old at the time of 9-11. And he waited until he can go serve his country, and he gave his life. Now, we have got to stop polarizing ourselves in this way. And John McCain is as non-discriminatory as anyone I know. But I'm troubled about the fact that within the party, we have these kinds of expressions. So when I look at all of this, and I think back to my Army career, we've got two individuals, either one of them, could be a good president. But which is the president that we need now? Which is the individual that serves the needs of the nation for the next period of time? And I come to the conclusion that because of his ability to inspire, because of the inclusive nature of his campaign, because he is reaching out all across America, because of who he is and his rhetorical abilities, we have to take that into account, as well as his substance. He has both style and substance. He has met the standard of being a successful president, being an exceptional president, 
I think he is a transformational figure. He is a new generation coming into the world, onto the world stage, onto the American stage. And for that reason, he's an LD voting for Senator Barack Obama. Thank you, Colin Powell. Thank you, General Colin Powell. I thought that his endorsement was great, and only because it wasn't just a blanket endorsement. Colin Powell outlined exactly why he was endorsing Senator Barack Obama. He didn't think Palin was ready. He thought that uh, McCain's judgment was off in picking Palin. He was troubled by errors, was troubled by the fact that McCain brought errors into the campaign, that it became a major focus of the campaign. He was troubled that McCain's campaign was narrow. He was troubled that McCain's campaign was making uh, it look like it would be a problem to be a Muslim in America, which America was built on freedom of religion. That's why people came to America. That's why they immigrated to America. <laughs> that's why they came to the New World, and that's what the colonies were built upon, freedoms of religion, so they could practice the religions they wanted. That's why they left Europe. <laughs> and then the fact that Obama has an inclusive, the quote was inclusive nature. So... I thought it was the endorsement encompassed everything that needed to be said, even though, surprisingly, or not surprisingly not, that the pundit, the first spin I heard on it was that um, Powell did this because Obama was black. And Powell said, he did have a comment regarding that, indicating that, you know, Obama's been black the entire time, and so has he. And if it was based on race, then he would have made the endorsement a while back. But what really bothers me about that, too, about that particular spin, which, you know, was done by, I heard, Pat Buchanan and Rush Limbaugh, is the fact that no one says or plays that particular card when you're white. So no one is it says that, okay, Rush Limbaugh, are you supporting McCain because he's white. Are you endorsing him because he's white? And the same goes for um, Pat Buchanan. So, you know, I, I really, you know, the, the double standard uh, is, is really troublesome and, and, and um, uh, it's really a bother to, to hear those particular type comments made, especially when you're, you're trying to ask that. I mean, the, the I, again, Powell made a clear explanation on why he was endorsing uh, Obama. And, of course, because uh, he has removed or uh, farther away from the Bush administration and to a more liberal candidate is, uh, is a bother for them or troublesome as far as the, uh, the conservatives are concerned. But, it's, again, it's not a surprise. I, I thought even after Scott McClellan, which was uh, Bush's former press sec secretary, released his book a few months ago, uh, he didn't come out and endorse Obama, but you could see, uh, based on his um, uh, interviews when he was promoting the book, that he was leaning towards uh, Senator Obama. So it wouldn't surprise me in the last two weeks if you see uh, a couple more uh, former um, people from the Bush administration, Bush the Second administration, to endorse uh, Senator Obama, it, it won't be surprising at all, especially um, based on the um, uh, comments from Scott McClellan and the actual endorsement from uh, General Powell. So. Uh, and the fact that you have a lot of conservative um, writers that are now um, defecting from the Republican Party, I chuckle because it's actually kind of funny. But the, you know, they, the Republican Party was so bent on uh, divisiveness that you know they're now put in a position where they're divided themselves. 
but that's a, a different part of the uh, this particular um, segment. Uh, I'm going to move on to uh, Colin. Yeah, uh, McCain's negativity plane or suspicion of negativity plane. It, it troubled me. I, I, you know, we have two wars. We have economic problems. We have health problems. We have education problems. We have infrastructure problems. We have problems around the world with our, with our allies. And so those are the problems the American people wanted to hear about, not about uh, Mr. Ayers, not about who is a Muslim and who is not a Muslim. Uh, those kinds of images going out in Al Jazeera are killing us around the world. And we have got to say to the world, um, it doesn't make any difference who you are or what you are. If you're an American, you're an American. This business of, for example, a congressman from uh, Minnesota who's going around saying, let's examine all congressmen to see who is pro-America or not pro-America. We have got to stop this kind of nonsense and pull ourselves together and remember that our great strength is in our unity and in our diversity. And so that really was driving me. And to focus on people like uh, Mr. Ayers, these trivial issues, for the purpose of suggesting that somehow Mr. Obama would have some kind of terrorist inclinations, I thought that was over the top. It was beyond just good political fighting back and forth. Uh, I think it went beyond. And then to sort of throw in this little Muslim connection. You know, he's a Muslim and my gosh, he's a terrorist. And it was, it was taking root. And we can't judge our people and we can't hold our elections on that kind of basis. And so, yes, that kind of negativity troubled me. And the constant shifting of the argument. I was troubled a couple of weeks ago when in the middle of the crisis, the campaign said, we're going to go negative, and they announced it. We're going to go negative and attack his character through Bill Ayers. And now, I guess, uh, the message this week is we're going to call him a socialist. Mr. Obama is now a socialist because he dares to suggest that maybe we ought to look at the, the tax structure that we have. Uh, taxes are always a redistribution of money. Most of the taxes that are redistributed go back to those who pay it. In, in roads and airports and hospitals and schools, and taxes are necessary for the common good. And there's nothing wrong with examining what our tax structure is or who should be paying more, who should be paying less. And for us to say that that makes you a socialist, I think, is, is an, unfortunate, an unfortunate characterization that isn't accurate. And um, I don't want my taxes raised. I don't want anybody else's taxes raised. But I also want to see our infrastructure fixed. I don't want to have a $12 trillion national debt. I don't want to see an annual deficit that's over $500 billion heading toward a trillion. So how do we deal with all of this? Kyle actually hits a, a lot of different points in that segment. That was him after the actual Meet the Press interview. He was um, outside of the NBC News um, studio when a lot of other reporters asked him questions regarding his statement in regards to his endorsement, and that was his response. But in that particular response, he had actually a couple different things. And one, one of the issues here in this is that he didn't actually say this quote, but the fact that um, the McCain campaign was using tactics, tactics and not strategies, and one of those being, which he would note it, regarding the, um, the Muslim piece, which he said beginning to take hold. And what the uh, McCain campaign was doing is um, they were adding, uh, you know, questioning his religion, he's Muslim, plus, you know, throwing his middle name, Hussein, plus uh, talking about palling around with domestic terrorists. And, of course, the people that are supporting McCain don't hear domestic and maybe don't even know what domestic means. They just only hear the word terrorist. That formula equals in the, in the lady's mind that was at the rally uh, two Fridays ago, equals Arab, Muslim plus Hussein plus terrorist equals Muslim. So, you know, um, Powell is saying that he was troubled by how the uh, McCain campaign was, you know, trying to link um, uh, Obama with terrorists and you know, it's totally not true. And, I, you know, it was troublesome and not just troublesome for Powell. And that's why there's such a now a divisiveness in the Republican Party itself. And the other piece that he said in this particular segment, too, he's talking about 
he doesn't reference her name, but he mentioned um, a statement made by uh, Congresswoman Michelle Bachman from uh, Minnesota. She was on um, uh, Hardball with Chris Matthews last Friday, and uh, she made sort of a, you know, it wasn't even a gaffe. She was actually making this statement. Well, let me ask you this. This country is roughly divided now over the last of our lifetimes between Republicans and Democrats and liberals and conservatives. Maybe the 30% of the country's, or 30 to 40% is conservative and self-described. People tell you what they are, and 30-some percent may are liberals. Do you think those 30% liberals are anti-American? The 30% of this country calls themselves liberals. Are they anti-American? Barack Obama has been associating with are anti-American by and large. The people who are radical leftists. That's the real question about Barack Obama. Saul Alinsky, one of, one of, one of his uh, uh, teachers, you might say, out of the Chicago area, Tony Resco, who was an associate also. These are very She's been in Alaska. She got 
accomplish and achieve and believe in God. That's a great comparison. All right, that was Congressman Robin Hayes. Initially, he said he didn't make those particular comments, but then uh, someone actually, you know, how they have the, the cell phones and the audio stuff that you don't know that's in the room. Someone actually taped it, and then he had to come back and say, oh, yeah, he didn't make the comments. But initially, he lied and, and said he didn't make those particular comments. There is a uh, interesting article in um, The Hill. The Hill is a publication that comes out here in D.C., uh, daily. Um, the uh, commentary is written by Marcos Mulatans, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his last name right. I'm probably screwing up the pronunciation, but his last name is spelled M-O-U-L-I-T-S-A-S. And again, you probably find this uh, commentary on theheal.com. Anyway, the uh, article is titled America's Answers. And it's basically, again, talking about these particular comments of the anti-Americans. He says, uh, Republicans are finally learning that if you call Americans un-American, Americans won't like you. In the past, this kind of paint-by-numbers divisiveness might have cooled the Democrats, but after years of being labeled unpatriotic for having the temerity to oppose the misguided war in Iraq, or George Bush's economic stewardship, Americans on the center-left have had enough. Palin's comments immediately became fodder for anti-McCain efforts, but the McCain campaign is already in a death spiral. Bachman, on the other hand, appeared to be cruising to re-election, far better funded and better known than Democratic opponent Edwin Tindenberg. Yet, with the video of her hateful, invictive, Zooming around the web at breakneck speed, activists finally had a positive way to fight back against Bachman's McCarthy's politics of division. With virtually no organizational prompting, donors flooded the Tingenberg campaign with $450,000 in the 24 hours following Bachman's ill-advised cable appearance and over $800,000 72 hours later. The Democrat, who previously raised a million over his entire campaign, nearly troubled, doubled his fundraising over a single weekend. House Democrats piled on with a new million-dollar expenditure in Baltimore's district. So, hey, she was his fundraiser. He didn't have to do anything. I say, keep talking, Baltimore. Give Mr. Man some more money. <laughs> anyway, such rhetoric once worked, but people have witnessed the results when they give in to such devices, instead of attending to governance, endless war, and economic upheaval, at last it appears progressives have learned how to fight back. Great article, great article. So anyway, um, going back to, and I, I was trying to add in points on what is going wrong with the McCain campaign in relation to um, uh, Powell's um, endorsement. Um, so back to the original question, what is wrong with McCain's campaign? First thing, I'm not quite sure if McCain uh, actually got it. Um, when he won his primary uh, relatively early, at least early in comparison to the uh, Democratic um, ticket, McCain actually seemed to be complacent. Uh, I, I, he was cruising. I, you know, the time that he had to uh, uh, run his campaign, he just kind of, you know, made some visits here and there, did a, a speech here and there, but um, obviously did not have an action action plan to execute or any strategy to uh, to move his campaign forward. And two, I think once it was, it, you could see that. Uh, Senator Obama was going to actually capture the uh, Democratic nomination. I, I don't know if McCain actually thought that he had to work that hard, even though he knew Obama had more money. Obama had more money at the end of his uh, primary than McCain had at that point in time. So it, it's, uh, I'm not a strategist, but I'm still unclear on why he did not have, like, an action plan in place. 
and, and uh, you know, at, in the beginning, too, after Obama captured it, you know, he, he taunted Obama for not having any experience, hadn't gone to any, um, hadn't visited Iraq. That was one of the pieces there. Suggested that um, he and Obama go to Iraq together. Uh, suggested also that they do the um, uh, camp, um, town hall meetings or whatever, and Obama declined uh, actually both of those particular things. Uh, Obama decided to do his, um, decided to go to Iraq, but on his own terms. After he goes, that was a problem for McCain too because uh, Obama's trip was a uh, successful trip, so. Of course, McCain had to change the media cycle and did so immediately by throwing out three negative campaigns back to back to back, uh, indicating that Obama didn't visit the um, troops in the German hospital. Um, uh, and now I can't even remember the reasoning why. But also he indicated, too, that um, um, he did a celebrity ad and then there was a third ad. I, I don't even know what the third ad is at this point, but each tactic has not worked. Now we now let's fast forward to uh, a more recent uh, stuff that's happened. You know, we decided to do the Muslim plus um, terrorist plus his middle name, Hussein equals Arab um, formula, and you know the that particular tactic, because it wasn't a strategy, began to take off, and um, uh, I, I'm not quite sure why they would move to that, but seeing that it didn't work for the Clinton campaign, and they saw everything that happened with the Clinton campaign, they did not take note. Um, and also, they uh, tried to paint him as risky and scary. And the unknown, and I think the unknown thing was supposed to be code for, you remember that he's black, we don't know him. When in the same token, a guy did an interview actually at a uh, Palin rally and asked the um, people who were standing in line, how long have you known Obama? I mean, first they asked him, how long have they known um, Palin? Most people said, oh, for the first time I've ever heard of her. Most people said right after the she was uh, picked as uh, McCain nominee, which is only two months ago. So they asked him how long have they known Obama. Of course, Obama's been running for president for over a year or so, but still, yet and still, they don't know Palin, but they say they know Palin, but they don't know Obama. But they should know Obama because Obama's been in, in the uh, news media cycle a lot, lot longer, at least on the national level, than um, Palin. So what's the factor? What's the code for that? I have a caller on line one. What's your comment? Tell me where you're from, your first name, and where you're from. <laughs> you know, I just love to listen to you liberals uh, state your point of view. <laughs> I get a thrill out of it. <laughs> All right. This is black. This is black conservative from Memphis. Okay. How All are you? Right. I'm fine, thank you. Good, good. Um, you know, but uh, you're laboring your point. You're, you're trying your best to. To prevail your point, but uh, to get your point across. But uh, okay. here, here, here's the bottom line. All right. Here's, here's, the, here's the bottom. Here's the bottom line. Uh, the uh, Obama campaign uh, is not playing fair. Is not the, what? The main screen. They're not playing fair. Oh, not playing fair. Okay. No, they're not well, playing why, fair. Why would you say that? I'm listening. Uh, a case, a, uh, a case and study would be. A classic example would be on Joe the Plumber, how they have uh, tried to demoralize this man. The Obama camp along with the uh, mainstream media. But that's okay. But I want to remind you all something, because I'm sitting back doing an observation, because I follow these campaigns uh, religiously over the years. Remember this same time back in October, the same time in October when uh, the last debate that George W. Bush had against John Kerry, we had the same phenomenon. People tend to forget history. They they tend to forget things that took place, identical, the, the similarities, the same thing. Remember, John Kerry was leading 
in the polls this same time last year in October. As a matter of fact, to be exact, October the 7th, the mainstream media was on their love affair with John Kerry. Bush looked like a lamb duck president. And remember what happened on November the 4th, around about 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Kerry uh-huh. laid out the exit poll with a grand lead. They thought the election was over. But what happened around about 8 p.m. Uh, Standard Eastern Time? Kerry got sweet. The Bush surge took place. The surge took place. And Kerry lost by landslide. Matter of fact, George W. Bush defeated John Kerry by the greatest margin in history. So why Obama supporters are dancing in in the sun? Why they why they're getting ready to celebrate and having that champagne? Remember, if you don't learn from your history, you're bound to repeat. I don't think anyone's forgotten that. To be honest, yeah, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I think that, that uh, and, and Obama has said it himself, I think that he was humbled by what happened in New Hampshire because they were already, what, um, I would say they were already celebrating New Hampshire before the results came in. And New Hampshire what? was a surprise I'm, in the primary. I mean in the primary. Democrats haven't learned from their lesson. Look how they're going, look how vicious they're going after Sarah Palin. Look at the state that they made, you know, New York candidate by Palin. They're not learning from their history. They okay. haven't learned I, I'm, still, I'm, still, I'm still listening in regards to Palin. What exactly in regards to Palin? I mean, these liberal attacks from from the cradle to the grave, they continue to uh, CNN, CBS, they are continuing one after another, trying to destroy this woman. Trying, not only... You know, it's one thing to look at a person's track record and say, okay, I validate that, this person, X, Y, Z. Look at a person's track record and see how they have dealt with certain uh, issues and made judgments. But it's another thing to try to demoralize and demonize and assassinate a person's character. That goes beyond the arena of of ideas. Now, I would agree with that, except for one thing. When, uh, and I'm a logical-minded person. Yeah, right. I, I, I agree as, as far as, as destroying somebody's uh, character. But in the same token, I don't think the McCain campaign handled that well. Number one, I don't think that they put her through the vetting process. And when she did the interview based on, based on, with, Katie, who, based Kurt, on with Katie Kurt, I didn't interrupt you. Let's do one thing at a time. You uh, say okay. you don't think they put her, uh, that there was a proper vending contest. That, based on that, what evidence? What, what is your evidence to well, support well, that? Well, well, number one, from my understanding, all reports say that he only met her once. What report said that some liberal... Broad, some liberal media press. Well, McCain said it himself. He only met her once. What does that happen? Well, if if you know anything about uh, advisors, is there advisors who did the best? The candidate themselves doesn't. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. The candidate themselves doesn't do the vending process. If you know anything, their their former advisors is the one who takes six and five, five and six months. To do the vending process, come on. Whatever the case may be, somebody missed the boat, and they have been missing the boat. Uh, okay, well, during you need to point out what it is. this whole campaign, they've been missing the boat. Because if they, had, if they knew Sarah Palin, <laughs> if they knew her inside and out and everything, they would have known what type of interview she would have given Katie you know, Curry. You know, so yeah, yeah, your argument. Your argument is trying to force. I want you. I want you to share something with me um, about this vending process. Where is your indisputable evidence that they did not vent her? Well, uh, I'm just saying. Give me stars. I want stars. No, I want stars. It's obvious that it did not happen. Even well, I you can't, can't well, provide a, me with the source. I don't even give you a source. <laughs> At the same time, it's obvious because reports 
<laughs> oh my goodness! She could not even do a simple interview and answer. What does that, that have to do with the vending? What does that have to do with the vending process? Because they would have already no, because they would have already known whether she could have answered those questions or not. They would have known her level of intelligence argument. at okay. time, that she would have been able to just answer questions and be able to. Uh. But it, I think show. in her interviews, in her interviews, I think I think she did good. She didn't did she did not do terribly bad, but she did did to the best of her ability. Now back to my no, first question. Now wait a minute. You're a logical minded person. You sound you sound to be very intelligent. I reckon you'd be a guest on my show. But listen, I want you anytime you uh, go to lever a charge and accusation. You know, in, in the arena of ideas. You're going to have to provide uh, indisputable evidence to support your claim. As is the argument from silence, what sources are you using to verify to the fact I, that I, it's authentic? Hold on, let me tell you this. Hold on. Sources that are authentic. I'm going to answer your question. You go to my website, carolive.com. I will have you your answers tomorrow posted. I will have sources well, there for just well, for you. Well, you should say, you should. Just okay, for you. Should, <laughs> well, you should say, black conservative. I don't have that information at my exposal, but I will check it out and get back with you. I, and that's what I'm telling you. You check out my website. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm telling you. Tomorrow I'll have those posted. Just I have one more question for you. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, what have the uh, Messiah accomplished that qualifies him for? Uh, N- number president? one, I wouldn't call him the Messiah. His name is Senator Barack Obama. Well, what what has he accomplished? <laughs> that, what have he's what have he accomplished on a grand scale now that constitute evidence as executive experience up until this point? Name one thing that he has accomplished. I I, I would say just the fact of the way he's ran his campaign. If that doesn't matter. Oh, that's Listen, I can run a good campaign, and I have the IQ of 115, and he has the IQ of about and, 140. And, 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 if he, and if you're saying that, because McCain doesn't have executive experience, and if you're saying that if you compare it to Sarah Taylor's executive experience, she governs a, you know a, she governs a state that has you know more what? wildlife than it has people. You know what? This, you know what? This is going from this is going from bad to worse. <laughs> you know what? Uh, uh, running a campaign doesn't constitute evidence for executive experience. No more than being born in a barn would make me a horse. Oh, 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 yeah, it does because of the organization that you have to do to put together a campaign of that magnitude. As you know. And as it has the uh, uh, funding that it does, he has more money in his campaign than, than and has to manage than um, Palin did in the state of Alaska. You're, you're, you're grasping for straws. You know that. I'm not grasping. It's a fact. Well, no. What constitutes for executive experience is that you have, you, you work, you're in a position to where you make judgment calls. And he's not making judgment calls in regard because to how Obama's not running. He's not running his campaign alone. Obama's not running his campaign alone. He has advisors. He has people making and decisions. That's what the, and that's what executives do, is it not? Let's not poison the well. No, no. In, in all fairness, that does not constitute evidence as uh, executive experience. And therefore, John McCain has ran an excellent campaign. He was a lame duck walking through the airport back in 2004. I mean, 2006. I would disagree with that. I would disagree in 2006, with, with his suitcase, he, 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 he was out of it. Was I would agree with that. All right. So, therefore, does that constitute evidence as executive experience? I mean, if you're going to use that line of reasoning by the same logic, I disagree, I can, not disagree with that because you just you asked you asked me the question. I'm not disagreeing that that doesn't constitute. Well, running a good pain don't constitute evidence for executive experience. You know that, and I, the most brilliant one, know that as well. <laughs> But I'll that's be your, back. That, I'm a, that's, your, that's your opinion. I, I'll be we're back. Gonna, I'm going to listen to your show for now. I'm going to be a regular listener. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Well, thanks for taking my call. No problem. You too. Have a great day. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. All right. Where were we? Let's see. Oh, what was the next question out for tonight? Um, is any corn controversy a preemptive strike, and what is going to happen to the Republican Party after if they actually lose in November? Um, I posted a um, on my blog a couple of weeks ago uh, a article titled um, uh, Can the Republican Party Survive Without Diversity? And based on the um, Republican National Convention, this past National Convention, you know, and based on the numbers from 2000 and 2008, because there's a, a big contrast between the diversity. In 2000, um, I, and I, I've said this before, there was the illusion of inclusion because the diversity in 2000 was enormous in regards to the Republican National Convention. And um, I, I have the numbers posted in, the, uh, in that particular, I don't remember what the numbers are, that were minorities, broken down based on minorities and based on African Americans. But the difference in 2008 is like night and day. In 2008, there were only 36 uh, African-American delegates at the Republican National Convention. Out of, uh, I think it was 2,300 um, total delegates in all, and I don't remember what the um, other breakdown is in regards to numbers are. But uh, McCain was asked on Face the Nation um, by Bob Schieffer, like maybe I think it was the Sunday following the convention, how would the party, how will, actually how will the party survive as a party of white people is actually uh, his particular question to McCain. And, and McCain's uh, quote was, uh, we can't, he said, we're the, we're the party of Lincoln. They're trying to uh, be inclusive. But um, the reason I'm asking the question again tonight or posing this particular question is because um, based on how the campaign has been run and the divisiveness of the party because of uh, the different pundits that have um, defected from the Republican Party, um, and, and this is uh, excluding Powell as a Sunday, but Peggy Noonan, uh, David Brooks, uh, Michael Smirnoff, I, I'm probably pronouncing his last name wrong, um, uh, George Will, you know, have all written commentary which was not very um, favorable for McKay. And, and um, the latter guy even actually endorsed Obama within the last couple of days. So, again, the question is posed if um, uh, the Republican Party does not have the diversity that um, – uh, they need in order to win future campaigns because if they're not attracting um, minorities, African Americans or um, Hispanics or Asians, and obviously at this point a lot of Muslims, uh, or, or they're not a nationality but a religion, if you, you got this, these many bodies of people who are um, now looking to be independent or Democrat or, or whatever, or one of the third party um then what will happen to the Republican Party uh, after this particular election? And it's going to be interesting to see how they rebuild, how um, uh, Palin at this point in time is supposed to be the new face of the Republican Party. But, uh, again, going back to those particular conservatives that have um, – have not written favorably about Palin or McCain or in Palin and um, McCain's judgment in regards to picking Palin. It's going to be interesting to see how they rebuild the party and, and unify the party again based on all those divisiveness. And I'm just really curious. It would be interesting to follow and to see what happens. And my guess is there are probably going to be some new faces that are added to the Republican Party. 
if McCain, if, um, not McCain, if Palin comes back or, or has national um, uh, resurgence again, I think Palin at the second time around will be a lot more polished than she was this particular round. So this may have been just like a rehearsal for something bigger in the future. I don't know, but again, they, again, based on the fact that there's a lot of divisiveness and um, the, the popularity of the Republican Party is um, uh, at all time low. Um, I, I'm, I'm still, again, trying to picture in my mind how how that's going to usually turn out. And normally I have it, an opinion, or at least I can gauge it, but um, at this point in time I can't, and I, I guess maybe after the election itself we'll be able to see. And, and, and who knows, you know, what the election results are going to be. But, again, I'm just basing it on if they actually lose because um, going back to the clip that I played for regarding Powell's endorsement and the points that he made that troubled him um, um, in regard to how McCain actually ran his campaign. And let, let me go back to one other thing in regard to McCain's campaign in the beginning. The, you know, diehard Republicans were not a big fan of McCain at all in the beginning. I always thought that um, in regards to how or what went wrong with McCain's campaign, another point that probably went wrong is the fact that he did not pick Romney. I thought Romney would have been a better pick for McCain. And especially after what happened with the economic crisis, I think Romney would have been right on time. Romney would have been key for Michigan. If you know, um, McCain took his resources out of Michigan uh, over a week, maybe two weeks ago. So if um, Romney would have been on ticket, there would have been, there would have been a whole different dynamic um, to the Republican campaign at this point in time. But based on the fact he picked Palin, those particular conservatives again, you know, they, they were energized by Palin, but at the same time when um, Palin actually made uh, her first interview or any public appearances, you know, the at least with the poll numbers, the poll numbers went down. I think what the McCain campaign should have done, at least the strategy, you know, left left the mystery to Palin because, you know, you can't talk about and you can't um, badger uh, anybody if you don't know them or you can't, or they don't have a, you don't have anything on record that they said, and you know they should they should not listen to the media, and and, and not that I want to give the uh, McCain campaign any um, points, but if they hadn't listened to the media, they they followed the media's um, uh, points because the media was saying, you know, we don't know her, we don't haven't had an interview with her, they could have they could have. Um, censored or at least um, made sure that those interviews were short or um, uh, a little more planned and, and a little more separated, a little, a little distance between those interviews and not as broad-based. But they kind of put, put her out there, and I think they put her out there without knowing uh, what the results were going to be. And then when they got the results, then they were backtracking trying to um, add the spin or, or at least change the um, logistics of what had just happened. But, again, if they hadn't have done that, they, you know, but, hey, take a note from, and I'm, I'm going to say this from Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson didn't do a lot of interviews, and this is this is going off the political tangent, but if the person has some mystery behind them, people are going to continue to follow. But, you know, the more information that's out there and the more clips and snippets that they are, and that's what, um, Saturday Night Live is is uh, uh, why their ratings are so up because they're using um, material that you know has been put out there based on Palin. So you know the Republican campaign, I mean the uh, McCain campaign. Um, again, there was a lot of tactics but not strategy. And if there was a concrete action plan that they would have followed through, you know, start at point A and you know decide what the worst-case scenario was for point A, the same for point B and point C, I don't think that they would be in the dilemma that they are now in grasping the straws. 
and trying to find out, you know, what's going to work or what can make us go back up in the polls. Because, you know, right after they were expected, let me go back, the Democratic nominee, Barack Obama, was expected to get a boost in the polls after the um, Democratic convention. So was McCain. And when McCain got that boost, you know, he could have kept that boost, but I, it appears that whoever the strategists are did not know exactly what to do or how to do in order to keep those particular polls up. Not that the polls really matter, but, you know, people do gauge a lot of information and a lot of how they feel that the uh, public is reviewing the campaigns based on these particular polls. So if um, uh, his strategist, again, would have had an action plan in order to, you know, again, figure out best-case scenario, worst-case scenario, and everything that they do, then, again, I don't think they would be in this particular situation. And number two on that, if they would have, again, follow exactly and know not what to do as far as what the Clinton campaign did, again, they would be in a better situation. But I think the uh, McCain campaign was just a tad complacent after he won um, so early in the primary, and that complacency is now, I think, his downfall in the latter part of this, um, um, the last stretch of this campaign. And, you know, at least for the Republican Party, that's unfortunate. Um, but we'll see exactly how this is going to work out. And the other point that I wanted to make, too, I think the last question of the night is, about the ACON controversy being a preemptive strike. Um, the, the one thing that's uh, troublesome and bothersome for me, there's two things actually. Um, there is fraud, but the fraud was committed on uh, ACON because they received the fraudulent um, applications, which they paid people, I think it was, I heard, $8 an hour. Um, uh, for each, well, I don't even know if they were paying them by the application or paying them by the hour. Whatever the case may be, they were paying people who were filling out or having someone else fill out fraudulent uh, registration applications for voters. So the, the key thing, the other thing, piece of it is I keep hearing in uh, mainstream media the news spots that it's uh, voter fraud. It's actually voter registration fraud, and ACON was required to even though they had already taken out the ones that they knew were bogus, um, but they because it was a registration form, they have to turn it in to um, uh, the state in order to be processed. But, um, but, uh, but there was a separate power indicating they already tagged the ones that they knew that were actually bogus. And I don't know how it could become voter fraud unless, you know, someone has, you know, has an ID printed for the uh, address or whatever that's already bogus um, and goes try to re um, vote under those particular bogus names. Um, it's going to be yet to be seen exactly how that's going to happen. But I'm thinking, going back to the preemptive strike uh, question, if after the election, based on the results, if they're if that's going to be a backlash um, based on who wins. And, again, that's one of those that will yet to be seen. But, you know, don't confuse re voter registration fraud with voter fraud. Because voter fraud is when someone, uh, if, at least if it's voter suppression or someone votes or votes twice or, or something in that capacity, that is voter fraud. There is a distinct difference. Um, uh, I'll have one more clip, uh, and this one I end with Palin. Palin did an uh, interview back in July prior to um, um, becoming the uh, VP nominee and um, regarding what does a VP do. How are we doing? We've been trying to engage local credit scores for the last few elections. Uh, wrong clip. 
BP talk all the time. I tell you, I still can't answer that question until, until somebody answers for me. What is it exactly that the VP does every day? I'm used to uh, being very productive and working real hard in, in administration. We want to make sure that that VP slot would be a, a fruitful type of position, especially for Alaska and for the things that we're trying to accomplish up here for the rest of the U.S. before I can even start addressing that, uh, that question. Well, I work. And here, a couple months later, actually last week, uh, a question by a third grader. How are we, Governor? We've been trying to engage local grade schoolers for the last few elections. We do have a few more questions from the third grade. Okay. Brandon Garcia wants to know, what does the vice president do? Oh, that's something the Piper would ask me as a second grader also. Uh, that's a great question, Brandon, and a vice president has a really great job because not only are they there to support the president's agenda, they're like the team member, the teammate to that president, but also they're in charge of the United States Senate. So if they want to, they can really get in there with the senators and make a lot of good policy changes that will make life better for Brandon and his family and his classroom, and it's a great job, and I look forward to having that job. She did ask this question like three or four times, even during the debate, and obviously still doesn't know the correct answer because um, she doesn't make any policy changes in the Senate <laughs> if she is a VP. She can break the tie. Obviously, Palin needs to read the Constitution prior to becoming the VP. Anyway, that's my show for tonight. Feel free to uh, check out my website at uh, www.carolive.com or email me at carolive at msn.com, and uh, you can go to my website and click on my blog. Uh, I will see you guys next week here on Carolive, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Wednesday. Thanks again for listening to Carolive.